I'm Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer. I'm Tiny at Obsessive Tiny. And this is Mike. You can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Star tissue, do 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 music, hold on. That was good. You put a little like, little like, the obsessive viewer podcast. <laughs> I need my soul attitude in it. Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. we're elves with attitude. <laughs> oh, nice reference. Oh Thanks. wow, I hated that kid. Yeah, he He's was such- a bit. He overacted a, a a a part that was like three lines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a kid overacting. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Um. So, welcome, guys. How, how are you guys doing? I am awesome. We're, We're good. Yeah. Yes. Um. I kind of want to. I kind of want to start the episode just talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman just a little bit. But before that, I want to make an make. Just make an announcement because last week our episode was really messed up, so I'm not sure how many people listened to it. But if you are listening to this podcast right now and you have a podcast or know someone who has a podcast or whatever, um, we're doing an Oscar pool that is uh, going to be cross cross podcasts. So if someone has a podcast, they're uh, they're eligible to submit one ballot and a clip of them talking about um, the nominees of a certain category that we'll give them so that we can put it into our Oscar episode at the end of the month. So if you have someone that you want to, that you want, uh, think would be interested or you are interested, just, uh, send us an email at ovpodcast at gmail.com and we'll get you all set up. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. we've got a lot, we've got a lot. It's going to, it's going to be awesome. We've got a lot of good, uh, podcasts that are going to be submitting and, uh, yeah. I'm people, really looking forward people to People are already into it and stuff. Oh yeah. That's cool. Oh yeah. I'm excited. Me too. Yeah. Uh, so, should we go ahead and just kick off kick off the episode with Philip Seymour Hoffman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because so. uh, we're recording this Monday night, so yesterday afternoon on Sunday, it was announced or it was a uh, news broke that Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, was found dead in there. There were reports of an apartment, but the, I think I saw something about a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he had died of a heroin overdose. And uh, how did you guys respond? What, what was you? Let's let's talk about it, guys. <laughs> I, was I was really pretty bummed. Go ahead. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I was just really surprised, you know, to hear that he had. I mean, I was surprised to hear he died, but I was more surprised by you know the circumstances. I mm-hmm. if I had to make a list of celebrities that I thought would die of an overdose, Philip Seymour Hoffman would be incredibly low on the list. Right. Um, so obviously he hit it at least from the public really well. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's really sad. The guy had, we all tend to focus on the art, like, oh, he's a great actor. We really liked everything he did, but you know, the guy was married and had three young kids. Yeah. Younger than 10 years old. Right. I mean, you gotta, you know, keep that in perspective. So right. it's really sad. Yep. Yeah. I was bummed too. Uh, it's, it's, pretty uh nonsensical and and almost unfair to compare but um paul walker you know just recently died and we did a podcast dedicated to him um but the 
this one kind of hit me harder because Paul Walker's career was not one I followed all that much. Right. Um, and I'd, I'd be willing to say Philip Seymour Hoffman is in my top 10 favorite actors ever. Um, so that was nice. pretty, it was kind of a blow. I was, I was shocked. Yeah. I, I had, I had an interesting reaction. It's, it, I don't want to seem crass at all. Cause I, I understand addiction is a horrible, horrible thing, but, I mean, the guy had kids, and it's just I, – I'd heard that he was 23 years sober, and that mm-hmm. he had gotten um, – he'd. I think there were reports that he tried to go into rehab last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was seeking help and everything, but he, like you brought up Paul Walker's death, Mike, and that just makes me think it's, it's an interesting – it's an interesting separation of those two events because I also didn't really follow Paul Walker's career. I wasn't really, I was, I'm, I just wasn't into his career, but the circumstances of his death were extraordinarily tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then here I, I follow Paul, uh, F- Philip Seymour Hoffman's career. And I, I like many of the, many of his performances are just really outstanding, but I can't help but think that what a wasteful death or what a wasteful what a waste it was because he didn't mm-hmm. have to do that. Like, yeah. As coming from someone who like I, myself, I don't use drugs or anything. I've never done drugs or anything, but because of that, I can tell you with 100% certainty that there is zero chance that I will die of a heroin overdose. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it rubbed me the wrong way and it's, it's tragic and I, I it's tough. It definitely casts a negative light on him. It does, especially having Which, kids. I, I, I totally see what you're saying mm-hmm. um, about how it's, it's difficult. It's difficult because he, it was one that he could, could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also don't know. We don't know the circumstances which led to his relapse and what got him there in the first place. It, it's unfortunate because that, that was kind of my first reaction too was, yeah. well – Man, what an idiot! Why did he do that? Yeah, but, but you also don't know the the life story that led him there. Exactly, but it and maybe this is speaking to a bigger, a much much bigger conversation. But there's also yeah, I don't know the circumstances that led to his relapse, but and I also don't understand. I don't know the circumstances that led to his first first doing drugs. But I mean, yeah. I like I've never tried it. I, like I because I know. I've known, yes, heroin. Yeah, I'm not going to go and just use heroin one day because it's because it mm-hmm. sounds like a fun time. It's just I know the I know there's no misconceptions about heroin use. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much all negative, and I I don't know. And it's probably insensitive of me to say that, but it's just it just seems like a waste that that someone so talented would would uh, and still young. He was 46 years old. Um, yeah. would would just throw it away like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So that's where I am. But like I said, he was a he was a phenomenal actor. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Even some of his kind of, I know I know uh, Twister has been thrown around, and that was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> that was everybody's favorite movie our age. Oh yeah, I was. I remember coming back from the summer and like <laughs> like what did you do over the summer? Everybody said they saw Twister. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> And uh, at the time, I was really into meteorology, so 
I basically, yeah, <laughs> dork. I know, right? Yeah, what a loser. It was weird. Yeah, it was. You know, I had a little club with me and me. Um, <laughs> no, I just I really wanted to be a storm chaser when I was a kid, and like that movie came out at like right at the perfect moment. So like I begged my mom to go see it, and then you know we saw it, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, so having said that, our, uh, our should we put. Put it, uh, put that conversation to to rest. Sure. I think so. Okay. Stick a needle in it. Call it done. Yep. <laughs> that was so bad. Uh, I don't know. Was, yeah. <laughs> um. No, but uh. So so this week's episode, we're talking about uh worst episodes ever. Worst you gotta say it like comic book guy. I know. Ever. I wanted to cue up. Do it. Do it again, Tiny. Worst episode ever. Nice. I was going <laughs> to queue it up on on YouTube, but I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, the worst worst episode ever. It's not necessarily the literal worst episode of any given show, but we're talking about those episodes of shows that um, I think I think across the board we love all these shows that we're going to talk about. Um, yeah. But those those kind of lesser episodes that didn't really grab us or didn't really interest us that much. Um, so let's 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 go around the table. Uh, who wants to start? I can start if you want. Sure. Okay, sweet. Go, go right ahead. Cool. The first one I'm going to mention is uh, from a little show called Twenty Four. Oh. Uh, the year was two thousand one. <laughs> the man was Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, no, actually, this is from uh, the sixth season, which was like two thousand seven. Right. Uh, that was a show that. Um, Kind of went on a bit long. I mean, it's it's a it's a format that you could make you could make it a, a long series and it could still be good. But the, you know, they had they had a, the same character was in every single episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Bauer, Kiefer Sutherland, and so it's like you know, after eight seasons, it's like I'm just kind of sick of this guy. You know, it's yeah. I think we could. I, I don't know. I, I love character development and everything, and they kept it interesting. But I think they they maxed out the character by the end of like the sixth season, probably. Yeah. And that's... they should, should have let it go after that. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the show went on too long. It, it, it drove a little bit. I think they could have maybe condensed some of it down. Um, but during season six, there was a part that bothered me. Um, it was the episode. They don't have titles, but uh, you know, cause it's a, a very linear show. Mm-hmm. They can just use the time to, to, you know, title the episode. So this was 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the sixth day of 24. And I don't remember the full context of the plot. Um, probably Jack trying to stop a terrorist. Um, Do you want me to help you out with it? No, don't. Okay. don't care. Because <laughs> um, I got it queued up for you. <laughs> but essentially, Jack has to... <sighs> Interrogate is not the right word. He has to get information from someone to, you know, try to stop this terrorist plot. Uh, and the someone that he has to get information from is an autistic guy. Um, and, you know, it's played by an act- an act- actor who obviously isn't autistic. Um, so any any time an actor, you know, portrays someone with a, you know, a mental handicap, it's always a gamble. Um, you know, go to the uh, you never go full retard line from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> um, 
it's always sketchy. It rarely works, and this is one of the situations where it it didn't work. The problem that I had with it so much was that I don't think they ever. Maybe I have this wrong, but I don't think they specified exactly what kind of handicap the guy had. Um, I'm looking on IMDb and it says it was an autistic guy, which that's kind of what I gathered looking at the character, but I never actually came out and said, well, he's autistic or, or he has this or that. Um, and so it was, maybe that's a good thing that they don't specify what it is because <laughs> that way the actor doesn't have to be, you know, they don't have to be within a framework. They can kind of just be like, well, the guy's just mentally handicapped. Just leave it at that, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just had a problem with it because it was so, I don't know. It was just so kind of hokey. It just, it was unnecessary. Yeah. It it was an interesting way to see, it, it was, it was a different way to see Jack work. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, cause he had interrogated hundreds of people over the series. Um, it's what he does and that can get repetitive obviously. And so throwing in something like that into the mix changes it up. So I, I appreciated that aspect of it, but. I just think they could have gone a different way. He could have, you yeah. know, interrogated a child or something or Yeah. I don't know, something like that. Um huh. the guy, the actor who played the character was fine. I don't really have an issue with his performance, but uh just that just just the fact that they chose to do it, I I didn't really didn't care for it. I thought it was clunky and weird. I if I remember correctly, it wasn't so much that he had to get information out of him. It was that he had the he like the autistic guy and his brother were um not conspirators or they were they were kind of complete they were kind of innocent uh, they were kind of complicit in these activities that were that were part of this bigger scope. Um, they had been bigger, they had been deceived, sort of. Yeah, like yeah. They, they didn't they didn't realize they were helping a terrorist. Yeah. So they had so what Jack had to do was wire him up. That's right. It's to even get, worse. Yeah. yeah, to get to because they were going to be the the terrorist guy was going to come and get information or give them information or something like that. But the kind of moments with Jack and and the autistic guy, it, it kind of played a little bit too close to being a very special episode of Twenty Four. Like in that, <laughs> not 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 special in that context, but. I mean, Poor I choice mean, of words. No, yeah, we know it's no. Yeah, yeah, we just, know what you mean. Yeah, like like kind of just <laughs> like know what a very uh, special episode means. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's an episode that's just like okay, well, this week Jack is going to Jack after is school show, special. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and it was. I mean, it did show kind of Jack and a lot, kind of a, a more tender version of him. But especially because that season, a lot of that was. A lot of that season was about Jack reclaiming his humanity because uh, in between seasons five and six, spoiler alert, um, he was he was imprisoned by the Chinese and God, tortured that and all that. Season five finale was so awesome. It was so great, so that great. Been such an awesome ending to the series. It would have been, and I, I also really liked the end of season six as as a collection of the of of the entire series. Honestly, yeah. But season and there's five, more to come. So there is, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it was, yeah. I mean, it was in the grand scope of it. There are much worse things that happened in twenty four in the later days. Um, I had but, a problem with I had a problem with the federal government going. Well, let's hinge this entire investigation of saving millions of people on an autistic guy. Yeah, yeah. And let's let's hin- let's hinge it on him essentially going under being wired up and going undercover and like. 
I don't know. It was like he he was like it wasn't just he was part of the investigation a little bit. He was the linchpin of the investigation. Like right. if he would have screwed up, that would have screwed up the entire investigation. It's like they relied entirely on an autistic guy. It was just kind of. But you're forgetting one thing, Tiny. What's they that? were running out of time. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, yeah and, and there is more 24 to come, and I'm hoping that it's going to be good. Did you, did you guys see the trailer? Yep. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't watch the show when it was on, so the trailer right. meant nothing to me. Right, right. Yeah. Well, one thing that I mentioned when it when it was first announced was that Live Another Day sounded a little bit like a Bond title. Oh, it sounds more uh-huh. than a little bit like a Bond title. Exactly. And once <laughs> I saw that trailer, I was like, it was intentional. So I'm I'm kind of eager to see it. So, yeah, but anyway, yeah. Um, Mike, do you want to go next? Yeah, I can go next. Sweet. Um, I want to talk about uh, what was one of perhaps the best sitcoms of the '90s, Family Matters. Okay. Nice. Uh, which we all know is not really <laughs> so much secret trivia anymore that it's a spinoff of uh, Perfect Strangers. But anyway, uh, the episode I want to talk about is called Substitute Son from season six episode 15 mm-hmm. uh the a plot is actually just kind of a, another family story about how eddie doesn't have time uh to hang out with carl so carl hangs out with waldo geraldo faldo and they it's like substitute son they they get along that's not the problem i have with the episode this one sticks out to me in particular because it's the episode uh where urkel created bruce juice bruce juice Bruce Juice, let me go on. <laughs> At the beginning of the episode, um, Urkel and Laura go to a bar where some ruffians call Laura a bimbo, and uh, Urkel decides to get revenge. He 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 won't stand for this kind of tomfoolery. Um, so Laura wants him to be uh, uh, Stefan. If you guys remember, mm-hmm. Urkel created cool juice to turn him into Stefan, uh, which I'll get into in a second. So he says no, and he decides that what would be better is if he created Bruce juice, which allowed Urkel to transform into Bruce Lee Urkel. I could stop there. (laughs) Okay. I could really stop there. That is wow. I, I hate it so much. I hate, that the episode for me, it was, it was the true jump the shark moment of, mm. of family matters. Um, you know, ratings dropped at a point. So they decided to bring in Stefan, which I'm okay with. It's a little hokey, but that, you know, there were still some good episodes with, with Stefan. But after that, it continued. The Bruce Lee, Bruce Juice episode is the point where the show went from being about a family and their quirky neighbor to uh, Urkel's sci-fi adventures. Okay. <laughs> and he became a scientist. He he did Bruce Juice. Um, they did, at the beginning of season seven, he shrank uh, himself. Urkel shrank himself and Carl. They, um, they did, they, he, there was a ventriloquist dummy there was a there was a dream sequence wow. that was a ventriloquist dummy that killed all the Winslow family. That actually sounds kind of awesome. <laughs> it was yeah, it's super creepy, but uh, it was ridiculous. But. He uh, takes Elvis, makes Elvis juice. There's time travel. There's teleportation, and even Urkel in space. Oh wow! To to cap it all off, 
because he is tired of going back and forth between himself and Stefan, Urkel decides to clone himself, making his clone the Stefan version of himself, and Stefan goes off and does his own thing. Uh, the show just got ridiculous, and I really point to the Bruce Lee, Bruce Juice episode, Substitute Son, as as that episode. And it's just it's just a shame how good that show used to be. And uh, and just kind of what it turned into, and that is the episode I hate the most. There there might be hokier episodes and worse episodes, but mm-hmm. I think that one can shoulder a lot of the blame for what became of Family Matters. Wow! Do you guys remember the episode at all? I didn't, I don't. Yeah, I didn't. I, I kind of watched Family Matters kind of in passing, um, mm-hmm. and I I have no memory of it being that off the wall. I remember Stefan. Yeah. But right, and everybody was like, "Well, Stefan was kind of silly, but it was still a good show." Yeah, I remember you know, thinking that's like, the lasting memory. Yeah, I remember thinking, "Oh wow, that's Urkel, but normal." Yeah, but that's I never knew that it went that deep. That's crazy. It is. It's very crazy. Huh. There's a line at the end. Um, I, I, personally, I love Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee is kind of a connection I have with my dad. We used to rent mm-hmm. Bruce Lee movies, and I've been a Bruce Lee fan for a long time. Um, there's a line at the end where he turns back into Urkel and then he hits a board and then the Bruce Lee Urkel kind of personality comes out and he says, boards do hit back, which I hate because it's a bastardization of the line from Enter the Dragon Yeah, about boards don't hit back. It's just awful. It's just an awful episode. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I only watched that show like in syndication, but I did love it. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't watch it like, you know. I didn't. Oh, it's Thursday night. Time for Family Matters. But yeah, right. yeah, it was, it was on uh, TGIF. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. Right. But uh, I never. I only watched it in syndication. I remember, you know, they'd have like two episodes in a row or whatever, and like every time I was like, okay, well, this is this is going to be a better episode because it's Young Urkel. Yeah. So I know yeah. I know what you mean. Like you know, the first four or five seasons were so much better. Like whenever you saw yep. an episode from the first couple seasons, you were like, all right, well, this will be a good one then. Right. And then totally. I do. I, I remember the time. Tra- I remember there being time travel. I don't remember the context and exactly what happened, but I remember thinking, even as like a nine or ten year old, I was like, "This is pretty stupid." <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah. yeah, it really was. Okay. So that's my submission. Okay. Um, mine is from Scrubs. Um, it's from season three, kind of the end, the tail end of season three, if I'm not mistaken. It's a. Uh, uh, I don't, it, I, it's not the season finale. It might be the second to last episode. It involves, uh, Carla and, and Turk's rehearsal dinner. Mm. And it kind of, it's, if memory serves, it kind of, it's, it's a good indicator for why I, I dislike the character of JD so much and why that hatred for that character kind of evolved into just a dislike of Zach Braff. Um, the entire season, Elliot, um, is, um, with, with, with a guy. And so JD's like, they do the kind of whole Ross and Rachel kind of thing where they're, they love each other or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. so the whole episode is like his ex-girlfriend says like, well, you only want what you can't have. Um, so this this is actually an arc over a couple episodes, I think. So he basically takes Elliot from 
the guy and he, he he confesses his love and they fall in love and all that and then the episode ends with them cuddling and then all of a sudden JD like looks into the camera and in his head is I don't want her and I'm like oh. you're a douchebag <laughs> oh yeah and then it gets worse because at the at the um I'm sorry I I know we said episode but this is a couple episodes but it's an arc that at the rehearsal dinner for his friend's wedding he tells her like in front of everyone all of their closest friends coworkers everything that he doesn't love her wow yeah and it's like mm. it gets to a point where why are we rooting for this character why why are we supposed to still root for this character when he's such an unmitigated douchebag mm-hmm. um and it's just he's like in he's incredibly self-centered and and very very just just unlikable. Um, Do you think that's kind of an aspect of those kinds of sitcoms though? Cause it's, you could make a similar argument against, you know, Ted Mosby from how I met your mother. He's, he's annoying a lot of the time. He's kind of, it's not, he's not very sympathetic a lot of the time. And so well, yeah. I, I, th- I think, I think that's, part well, I of, think he's a good guy. That's the I think that's, Ted's a good guy. Yeah. That's the thing. He's not, he's not actively going He's not actively hurting people <laughs> for yeah. his own self-interest. Um, he's annoying at times, sure. Um, I have an episode on my list that we'll get to in a, a bit later about that. But it's also – he's also – his journey is a journey of finding love and all that. And he kind of – he stumbles up here and there throughout the way. Like there's that episode where he where uh, he tells a story about being hooked by uh, 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 Carrie Underwood <laughs> – um, and then in the story, he tells a story about how he had a girl on the hook and how he was a jerk and all that. Um, so he has that kind of remorse mm-hmm. or at least, well, that's also, that's also due to the, due to the narrator. Um, that's true. Maybe that's yeah. just like, that's just an unfortunate, you know, like it's easier to do that whenever you have a sitcom that it has a main character, you know, like yeah. as opposed to something like friends or like right. friends just basically had you know, five or six characters and they kind of focused on all of them separately. Whereas if you get something where there's a main character, it's, it's maybe it's easier to kind of write them into a corner where it's like, well, this guy really isn't that sympathetic anymore. That's true. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what gets me is that Elliot and JD is still ended up together. (laughs) Yeah. And it was kind of just in the end of the show. I, I didn't, I never saw the end of it. Yeah. It was kind of, it was kind of an afterthought. It was, it was all, it was, I don't know. It was like kind of toward the end of the end of the series or end of the show. And they were like, "Hey, you know what? Let's just get them together. And I think they played, they played on the, they played that up. Like, uh, they should, they were like, yeah, we're back together. And everyone's like, we don't care. Um, <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> but who cares? Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So, uh, tiny, what's your next episode? Uh, the next one I have is a show I don't think you guys have watched. Huh. Uh, it's from The Sopranos. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. Have you watched The Sopranos? No, I haven't watched it. I haven't Shut watched up. it either. <laughs> Booyah. Just kidding. Um, uh, it's from The Sopranos. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's maybe a bit spoilery, but Ooh. not... Okay. Uh, not really, Sorry. sort of. Okay. Statute of limitations is up. Yeah, yeah I mean the episode's eight years old. Right. So. Um, 
the episode, it's not a bad episode. It's kind of, I, maybe I just kind of don't like the idea of it, but um, Tony Soprano gets injured uh, mortally. He almost dies. And he gets put in the hospital and he's in a coma. And the episode is basically his his friends and family like kind of build a vigil around him, like a twenty four seven vigil around him while he's okay. in this coma. It lasts for I don't know, a week or two or something like that. But what what they show is is they, they show Tony basically hallucinates while he's in the coma and they show his hallucination. Okay. Um, which that could be a really interesting thing and could be really cool for it for a different show. Yeah. Not, <laughs> but a not for gangster. the, not for the Sopranos, <laughs> um, for, for a, a simple minded thug monsterish kind of person. It's just so out of place. And in, in his hallucination, he essentially hallucinates that he's, in ident- identityless man, that's not a word. Uh, he's a man who he can't figure out who he is, basically, and he's this like businessman who's on a trip to California, and he doesn't like like Tony Soprano. The character has a really thick New Jersey accent and like speaks like a gangster, but like the guy that he's hallucinating has like no diction to his voice. He's just like a huh. like pro- probably some dude from the Midwest somewhere, you know. Um, <laughs> It, and he's he's basically just trying to figure out who like he he loses his wallet, the hallucinated character. He loses his wallet and he can't figure out who he is. It's like I said, for a certain show it may have worked, but just not. It was so out of place for The Sopranos, and like the outside, the, the exterior influences of his actual existence, mm-hmm. like when people would keep a vigil over him. Some of his, you know, some of his subordinates i guess you could say right. uh uh would come and talk to him and it would annoy him and so like in the in the hallucination he'd be in his hotel room and it would it would that that annoyance would manifest itself in someone banging on the wall of the the hotel room like a like a noisy neighbor okay it was just i just really didn't care for it and it wasn't it wasn't any if it had developed his, his character more i would have maybe been okay with it but it it didn't really add anything to his character you know it was just really kind of pointless to have him hallucinate for a whole episode this this whole other story they wanted us to get involved in like invest in this other character and then it just stopped and like it wasn't really addressed after he he woke up and came back weird it was it was really pointless i didn't i didn't really care for that that aspect Sounds like something that would be better served as just just a scene or a sequence in in an episode, as kind of a B or C story. Yeah, not devoting an entire episode to it. That's interesting. Yeah, I I didn't care for it. So that show really just fell off a lot, in my opinion. Like it really. I think it only had seven seasons, maybe. Uh, yeah, but I it think would... it was six, but they split the last. Yeah, this well, there you go. I can't remember, but it was it, ironically it went on. It just it felt like it went on too long. I think it was like eight years, but only six seasons. Yeah. Um, and it just even with just that amount, it's like ninety episodes. Like it could have used maybe sixty five or seventy. Not not quite so much. It just they kind of drug it out. I think so. 
Okay. But yeah, it's a good show though. I mean, it's worth a watch. It's yeah. It's I still need to watch it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. Uh, Mike, what's next on your list? Uh, Boy Meets World as time goes by from season seven. Okay. Uh, I could you could pick uh you could pick plenty of episodes from season seven, but this is perhaps the worst. Um, with three episodes left in the series, this is the third to last episode. They decide that Corey and Topanga are getting in a fight because Topanga studies too much and Corey simply wants to laze around and watch cartoons. Uh, so Corey begs her to just hang out and she decides, no, that she's going to clean the closet. And in the closet, she finds a time continuum vortex. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I could stop there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you so could. she she goes into it, and then she's in this weird, like noir esque world where uh, she doesn't know, she doesn't remember her identity, and so she hires a gumshoe played by Eric, who is not Eric, uh, at the Shangri La Cafe. She becomes a waitress uh, named Trixie. And she attracts the interest of Rory, who is Corey's counterpart and owns the cafe. Um, and she, like, can't remember who she is, but she, like, somebody says something about a time continuum vortex and she has a flashback. So she kind of remembers that she's out of her own time, but uh, but she she doesn't remember exactly why. So, you know, I'm not going to keep going with the details. It's just so stupid. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's a stupid episode anywhere, but with three episodes left, it totally derailed any uh, any modicum of of um, momentum they might have had building toward the finale. You could really say that about a lot of episodes in season seven, like I said. Um, I just recently watched it last year, and it's pretty awful. And I remember liking the last episode of Boy Meets World, mm-hmm. but as a whole, it's it's pretty trash television. Um, and this, as time goes by, time travel noir episode is is just laughably bad and laughably out of place. And it's a, it's a real bummer for a show that um, I remembered loving so much. And then I watched this episode a year ago, and I was just like, "What in the world? Why why would they do this? What? I mean, it's it's a blessing really that there was no season eight. <laughs> And they decided to just end it at seasons. I mean, it got a finale. It's not like it was canceled, but right. uh, um, it's it's a good thing there there was no more time for episodes like, like this because it in a in a show that dipped in quality, this was the low point for sure. Do you guys remember it? Wow. I actually do. Um, <laughs> I, I I remember it, and I I have to laugh because. In your description, you you said, I, "This is just so funny to me that you said." And so, and then someone mentions time continuum vortex <laughs> in like the in like the noir world, and I'm just like, "Yeah, that's well, so, exactly. Yeah, that's so stupid." Um, the, but yeah, the Gumshoe Eric says, "Do you know anything about a time continuum vortex?" <laughs> Which come on, it's so silly. That's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh. That's a shame. It's because it was a really good show, and I could see how. I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't see it in sequence. I saw it in syndication, so I wasn't aware that that was within like the end run of the series. 
Mm-hmm. But knowing that, I mean, I can totally see how that just completely derails it. And you mentioned that uh, Eric isn't Eric. That entire like last season yeah. or last couple seasons, he wasn't. He was a caricature. Um, if oh I remember yeah, correctly. like the last three. I mean, he in in the noir world, he wasn't. He was just like Gumshoe. Like he wasn't even Eric. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even other than that, he just got dumber and dumber. I don't yeah. know that that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got dumb. He got more stupider. Um, more stupider. <laughs> I didn't watch that show actually, so I, I don't. Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that's a shame. I I don't know what happened there. Did they they had a they had some more of those like, kind of like special silly episodes, didn't they? Or am I mistaken? There were, yeah, but I don't know that they were as silly as that. I mean, right. I remember the episode in, I want to say, around season f- five, maybe six, where um, Corey and Topanga break up, and then there's the, they kind of do, like, the scream yeah. um, type of thing, where, uh, which Sean... I loved. I yeah, loved. oh, it was great. Um, but other than that, it was... This I can't think of any more that are as ridiculous as that one. Right. Ugh. So. Well, that's that's too bad. Yeah, it was. Um, it's disappointing. It really. When I when we rewatched it last year, the the final episode still works, but so much of what they did to build up to it was so disappointing that it's hard. It's hard to. Like my lasting memory right now of Boy Meets World is that it was not nearly as good as I remember it. And I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a shame when, when something that you care about really tarnishes its image. Mm-hmm. Um, like when we released our choppy episode last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should, should I go to mine? Do it. Uh, my next one is from the series, the office. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, even after it dipped in quality from, um, uh, after Steve Carell left, it was still an enjoyable show. Actually, while I was on bed rest from my gallbladder, a lot of the stuff I watched uh, that wasn't movies was was just episodes of The Office of the later seasons. But this comes from season uh, six. The episode is called The Banker. It's where uh, it's it's where they have a guy come into the sh- come into the office to kind of assess the company's worth, I guess. Um, because they're going, they're going to sell it to, they're going to have, they're going to sell it or something. I don't know. So they have a clip show in the office, which is something that I'm not a fan of clip shows. Um, especially now you could get away with it with like, with like friends in the nineties. Um, cause that's just how sitcoms were, but this is kind of a high concept sitcom with its documentary style and all that. And what really, what really annoyed me on such, um, uh, such a deep level was that they have, they have it staring in their face. They have a documentary style show having a clip show and they don't use any of the format to facilitate it. So it's mm. basically this guy goes through and it's like a standard sitcom clip show. They're talking, they play clips, but it, why couldn't it have been, why couldn't it have been Michael losing something or Michael, Michael trying to find something and then him asking the document documentarians to play footage 
from the show that they've been filming for 10 years. That would have been mm-hmm. a much more organic way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have poked fun at the format and it would have been, it would have been good. Um, but instead they kind of went on this, they just went to this thing that was just really bland and, and just highly forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree. Just bugged yeah. Me. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of that episode either. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. You know, interesting bit of trivia about that episode. I read the original title of it was Mother. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Very nice. You uh, can edit that out. I'll keep it. it doesn't make sense. It but. doesn't. I'll I'll keep it and I'll I'll keep it on for B roll. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's mine. It, it they could have been so much better. Um. It just came across as lazy. Maybe there are extenuating circumstances. Maybe they needed that clip show because they had they needed time for something, or or maybe some maybe their maybe their timing was off, so they needed to just rush a clip show to kind of keep on schedule. But still, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just hate to I I hate that a show of that caliber, and it was still at a pretty high caliber at that point. Um, mm-hmm. I just hate that they that they put themselves into that position and that they yeah. played it out that way. Bummer. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Uh, so tiny. Yep. What's next for you? Um, this is the last one I could think of actually. Um, okay. not sure if it fully qualifies because it's not a bad episode per se. There's just a part of it that I really didn't like. Okay. Uh, the show is the shield and it is the sixth episode of the first season. It's called, uh, cherry poppers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the 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 episode is really is actually a, a pretty solid episode it's mm-hmm. it actually it's it's very dark and it it shows um it it illustrated how far that show was willing to go with their authenticity and their shock value mm-hmm. um because it's it's an incredibly disturbing subject matter it's yeah. it it involves the the main strike team uh sort of they they find out about this it's sort of like a brothel basically where um it's this brothel where obviously guys come and have sex with girl sex with girls but it's worse because they're like teenage girls that have been kidnapped mm. and it's incredibly disturbing and the main character Vic Mac he has to kind of go he kind of goes undercover and visits the place to kind of get an inside track on it and they end up uh, busting it and breaking it, breaking it down, which is great. But then there's this girl who's like 13, who she's like this Asian girl who was kidnapped from some Asian country and brought here for this purpose. And she's incredibly damaged. And like, she doesn't, she, it's like, she thinks the only way that she can communicate with men is to just have sex with them, which is just incredibly disturbing. Um, and so that's, that that's really interesting. That's a shocking episode. It's it's great to look at, but they the actress they got to play the thirteen year old girl was just really annoying. I guess um, it's such it's such a weird thing for me to focus on in the episode because, like I said, it's so powerful. But she, uh, I have a feeling she was an American girl who just happened to be Asian ethnically. And so they were like, well, we need a teenage girl. She needs to be 
Asian and she needs to, her the characters from Asia so she needs to use an accent and she just like she uses such such fake like <laughs> like Asian accent uh, like like Asian speak awkward. like yeah. like dropping words out like she keeps talking she refers to herself in the third first person per, third person yeah she's like she's like Ling go here with you now or whatever her name is yeah and like it's it's just really it's really grating to me. Like if they had gotten an actual Asian girl, it would have been so much, or like an, a girl from Asia. That's what I mean. It would have been so much better. It just, it really bothers me whenever I watch that episode. It's just, and like Vic tries to talk to her and like, you know, calm her down and, and explain things to her that, you know, the world isn't quite so dark as she's been exposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's just, it's, it's hard watching, an incredible actor like Michael Chiklis interact with, with <laughs> that character played to that caliber. It was that sounds, yeah. it, was, it really it really bothers me. It hurt. It, it it affects my enjoyment of the episode. Yeah, yeah. She was a uh, very stereotypical in, in it, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I looked her up on IMDb. I'm, she was born in the Philippines, but I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't know her history. I don't know if she can she came to america early or whatever but as of 2004 she's studying to be a hypnotherapist so there's oh, that there you go. <laughs> the only way the character could have been more stereotypical is if they got her a job at like a, a laundry house or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's i just basically kind of had a problem with the character i think they like they wrote a really good episode and it was they were filming it perfectly it was really disturbing and dark and it sticks with you like it's a really really hard episode to watch and then there's just this one part where it's just like okay this sucks and it just, it just it just takes me out of the episode and it's it's bothersome so okay but it was their first season and yeah you know and that show found its stride really well i think it was it was around the time where cable television was evolving and um the first season or two and they had like 20 some episodes they were trying to make it like a regular network show which it, it never was that it was it's it's the show was too unique to really fit into that box and so after mm-hmm. a couple seasons they really found their stride and they they had they had shorter seasons and, and much tighter tighter stories and everything like that so they uh that, so, that was in their first season so yeah. they had 13 episodes across the board except for season f- three that they had 16 i think are you sure? Positive. I thought the first season was like 20 episodes. 13. Really? <laughs> I, <laughs> I guarantee it 110%. Uh, 13, 13, and then they had 16 for season three, I think. And then and then another 13, and then 11, and, and 13. He's looking at the DVDs right now, Tiny. I'm staring at my bookshelf. <laughs> Don't challenge him. <laughs> Uh no, but the, the, I'm positive. I, it was 15 for season three. But yeah, huh. yep. Well, I'm an ass. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no. So yeah, I I understand that. I I for one thought the shield never really had a had a bad episode. I can understand where where you're coming from though. Yeah, um, it wasn't a bad episode per yeah. se, but it was just that one aspect. Just of annoying. It yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Mike, 
What's yeah. next on yours? The third show I want to talk about is uh, it's uh, an episode of Nip Tuck, which I don't know how familiar you guys are with that show. Not very. Never seen an episode. <laughs> um, they called it a disturbingly perfect drama. And those seasons, it really was pretty perfect. It, it was pretty, um, it was pretty excellent. I, I just, I loved how it, it played with uh, these people making other people perfect, but of course their lives were hideous. It was, it was just brilliantly done, uh, as Ryan Murphy is wont to do for one or two seasons before his shows kind of <laughs> go off the deep end. Okay. So anyway, this is a season six episode. There were six total seasons, and the last season was split into two. This is episode nine, and uh, a couple things about it really rubbed me the wrong way. The main storyline, the A storyline, is uh, the introduction of Brendan McNamara, which is the, up to this point, never-before-mentioned, long-lost brother of one of the main characters, Sean, (laughs) played by Dylan Walsh. Uh, And I just hated it so much. What I always liked to uh say about nip tuck is that it was a love story between these two guys who who were best friends and multiple times on the show they called each other brothers i mean christian uh, i uh christian troy and sean mcnamara are the two characters uh, there are times and i wish i i could quote it but i have no doubt that sean said you are like the brother i never had <laughs> in an episode which is apparently not true because there's a Brendan McNamara. <laughs> uh, and it was just incredibly frustrating. Totally uh, like they were just scraping the bottom of the bottom of the barrel for plot points. Mm-hmm. And they came up with this one about his brother is a meth addict who comes to town and uh, needs some help getting his face fixed up and his friend's nose fixed up so they can start a new life because they're getting clean. And, of course... Christian uh, gets jealous and and does a few things to show that Brandon is uh, you know once once a dirt bag always a dirt bag and so you you kind of see how um, like Sean wants to have a relationship with his real brother but Christian wants him to realize that it's not blood that makes family and it's just so poorly done uh, and such a slap in the face to what we knew about the relationship between these two men that they would throw in a completely never before mentioned character and do this to these two characters. Not only that, but because it was one of the last episodes of the entire show, similar to the way Bill meets world did it, Mm -hmm. it totally slowed the momentum. It was pretty self-contained in that aspect, except for uh, the other thing that happens. The B plot is, um, one of the worst things Christian ever does to Sean, and there's a lot of times where we see that um, Christian has a heart, but he also does terrible things to the people that are closest to him. Um, they have this argument about there's this guy who wants to t- take a loan out from the company, McNamara Troy, their their um, practice, and so he wants to take $400,000 out, and he does it behind Sean's back, which ends up being a catalyst for um, something later down the line, but to me, it was too far, and I and I really, really hated that about Christian, that they would um, deconstruct the relationship between these two men and then build it back up only to be ruined again. Mm-hmm. So much about that show was just rehashed plots from, from early on um, that it, 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 was, it really kind of stumbled toward the finish line, and it really bummed me out, and Benny Nilsson is the worst of them all. Hmm. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah, I never watched it, but I can see I any time that they do that in a show and it's such it's such a a hard trope to really Mm-hmm. Or it's such an easy thing to avoid, but it's yes, such an easy exactly. yeah. It's 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 easy writing. It's easy manufacturer of plot. Yeah, um, and that's kind of why I chose it. It's it's okay. just it's just a pretty obvious example of one of those fouls. Yeah, that's cool. Good pick. And I hate it. Thank you. Yep. Um, my next one is actually from the the dearly beloved by us. Uh, how I Met Your Mother. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's the uh, it's the season one finale called uh, "Come On," and it's it's the one thing that I, I dislike about the show. I love the show so much as a as a concept, as as just everything about it. I love, um, but there's one thing in this finale that I was just like. There's no why do they do this? It's the fact that Ted's last ditch effort to win Robin's heart is to try to do a Native American rain dance to make it rain to have her trip <laughs> spoiled. Yeah. By far the dumbest thing I've ever seen in that series. Yeah. Or many other series and it's it's amplified by the fact that Anytime I see, I see Josh Radner dance in the show, he dances like such, such a dorky way. It just, it gets so, it grates on my nerves on like a cellular <laughs> level. Like I can't stand it so much. He looks so dorky and stupid, but when he's, when he's, he's doing this native American rain dance and it's just, it's so, it's so, it's so dumb. It's really dumb. Um, and it, it really makes you question the, the sanity of it and knowing that he's our narrator in the future really makes you question the validity of a lot of the stories. Um, which, I mean, it's, it's an unreliable narrator in in itself, but still. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah. And I mean, the end, the end game of it is then he wins Robin by, and he runs to her apartment and yells. And I actually really like the line where, where, uh. Where he's like, come down here, and then she's like, no, you come up, and then he's like, no, come down here, and then he's like, I, I he says something like, I made it rain today. That's what I did today. I was like, I kind of like that line, but it's also like, you didn't f-ing make it rain, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they play on it kind of later in a later season where they're like, uh, say he's like they're talking about it after they've broken up, and and he says like something like i made it rain and then he's she's like no you didn't he's like yes i did and it's just like, kind of this back and forth that's like it's it's kind of silly it's poking fun at it but still the fact that is it wasn't so much that he did it i mean him doing it and not being a a big part of that arc of the series is egregious and is a problem for me but the fact mm-hmm. that it happened in the season finale yeah was also a huge problem. And it being the first season finale really makes me question how much they wanted to continue as a series. <laughs> um, Where's your sense of romance, Matt? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> he made it, he made it rain for the he girl. He made it folks. rain. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> how do you know? Uh, because that's not how it works. It's a TV show though. It's fiction. Uh, Maybe he did make it rain. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> you didn't think about that, did you? Ugh. That is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. It's pretty silly. Yeah. It's, it's really silly. Um, so tiny, you're out, right? Yeah. That's all I've had. Okay. All I, came up with. I actually like to like the shows that I watch guys. Yeah. I, you know what? To <laughs> be honest kidding. with you, when you first pitched this topic, I was like, well, I like the shows I like. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all about those, those times when the writers aren't, don't really perform for us when they release oh, their. It is. That's the idea. Yeah. Um, case in point, if you don't mind, Tiny, that I'll, I'll take a turn here. Sure. Um, and I think you guys have at least seen this. Case in point, what I think is one of the greatest shows, at least the greatest sitcom of all time, Seinfeld. If it, if there's one bad episode, it's the last episode. Sure. And, and I don't think that I'm the only person who's ever said that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, they had a long standing, deal with Seinfeld where there was no sentimentality, no hugs, um, and, and everything was, was just for the sake of comedy. But for a finale, I, maybe the part of me that, that has a heart wants some of that, and there was absolutely none of it. And it was really just the best example of why these people are such awful, awful people. <laughs> and it was a weird way to end the show. N- no original jokes. It ended up being essentially a pseudo clip show. And it really just, they just paraded in guest stars and said, well, I bet that'll be enough. Yeah. And it really rubbed me the wrong way. What do you guys think? It was kind of the lowest common denominator. Like they, mm-hmm. They were like, well, we're already one of the best shows of all time. We already have that designation. It's, and you know, they knew that people were going to tune in no matter what. And I think you're right. I think they kind of, they just wanted to sort of show off a little bit for the last episode. They didn't really care about the substance as much. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind it. The scenario was really funny. You yeah, know, the I whole, agree. the whole, bystander thing uh good samaritan <laughs> thing was a, just a classic seinfeld scenario that would have been awesome in a in a normal episode for that for that show but because it was the finale it was kind of lost um mm-hmm. okay. so I, I i agree with you to an extent yeah it, mm-hmm. it could have been better I'll, uh... i remember i remember when i watched it i watched it live and their sentence was that they would spend a year in prison and i remember thinking okay so in a year, the show will be back, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's as a small tangent, that's kind of an interesting common theme in series finales, final seasons or whatever. Um, things is that like, like I can think three off the top of my head. Seinfeld has their, they're in jail for one year. Um, mm-hmm. How I Met Your Mother, they're gearing towards uh, Marshall and Lily going to Rome for one year. Um, and even, yeah, yeah. and even, uh, and even wings, the end of the series is, is they're going to Venice for a year. The Um, office as well. The office as well. Yeah. Boy meets world. A couple of them go to the Peace Corps for a year. Yeah. So it's, it's, or well, Peace Corps might be two years, but anyway, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird thing that I noticed, but I'd like to play quickly, uh, a little bit of nearly a little bit of almost devil's advocate for Seinfeld. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen that finale in years. And, uh, so I don't, I don't remember specifically, um, how bad it was 
played out. But as a concept, I can kind of appreciate that. I can appreciate them wanting to pay tribute to the the stuff that they've that they've done over the years, over the near decade that they've been on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of um, it's always sunny. They had that episode, and I think it was season three where where Charlie fills out a form uh, and puts the bar up for for as the prize of a dance competition. <laughs> or as like mm-hmm. a like a long standing dance competition and then that episode is just basically all the people that they've wronged trying to win the bar from them mm-hmm. and mm. the entire time I was watching it I was thinking this would make an awesome series finale That's um, a great episode it's an it's mm-hmm. a fantastic episode also features uh Glenn Howerton's wife yeah. um yeah uh she's really hot but um <laughs> No, but it, so I can kind of see where they where they were going with that. Um, it's a shame that it apparently didn't really play out the way that they did. But I did like the idea of the characters getting but, their comeuppance. Yeah, that's the thing. The concept is good. It's just not very funny, right? And that's the problem. It's just not a funny episode on a, on a show where you know some of the funniest episodes of all time were were born from. This was just not a funny finale. It's okay. disappointing. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a shame. So, um, yeah, it was. Yeah. Should I go on to my last one on the list? Yeah, do it. All right. Take us home. Yes. This is. It's no. It's no surprise. I'm a huge fan of Lost. I will defend that show to the grave. I will take a bullet for a DVD of Lost if I can. Um, <laughs> but and the scary thing is, I'm 100 serious there. But you know. There is no mistaking they had at least one bad episode. Now, when we when we first started, when we were the pre-show of this episode, I mentioned I'll find one for Lost, and Tiny mentioned he went right to Expose from season three, which I will say I I like that episode quite a bit. AKA um, the pointless episode. Yeah, the the Nikki and Paolo. Yeah. The, it was the writers saying, hey, we're sorry. We thought this would be a good idea for the season. We realize it's not. We're going to kill these characters off. But <laughs> as a standalone, it's it's actually pretty fantastic. <laughs> but yeah. as, as a standalone, just as a concept, I mean, but um, yeah. uh, behind the scenes concept, I mean. But as, a, as an episode, it's a fun little standalone mystery episode, I think. So, sure. but anyway, the episode <laughs> that I chose. Tiny doesn't sound convinced. <laughs> no. And I'm sure that. Whoever's listening to this, who knows it, is not convinced either, but I'm an apologist. But I can't forgive the show for its worst, worst episode that is just across the board. Everyone dislikes it. It's season three, Stranger in a Strange Land, um, named after a, oh, I can't remember that, the writer's name, um, a sci-fi writer's book. But anyway, the episode is about Jack. And it solves the long-standing mystery that everyone wanted to know what his what his tattoos mean. <laughs> um, which, if you can't sense the sarcasm, I did not give a <laughs> what his tattoos meant. <laughs> and the reason why this was an such a big mystery is because I think it's in the. F- first season in in the first few episodes um jack and kate are kind of going back and forth and they're kind of flirting and talking and then uh like it's just a throwaway line it's a complete throwaway line where kate's like 
Kate's like, what do your tattoos mean or whatever? And Jack's like, oh, I can't tell you that. And then they they walk away and then it's actually a really funny scene. They tell, they tell Charlie, like they pass by Charlie. Charlie says something and then Kate's like, hey, Charlie, why don't you ask Jack about his tattoos? And then Charlie's like, oh, you have inside jokes. That's lovely. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of, it's a cute little thing in that. But the and Uber. On Lost, there were no throwaway lines. <laughs> exactly. Every like diehard fan who was just incredibly, it's, it's, they're the people who hated the finale. They're the yeah. ones who concentrated solely on the mystery. So they hear that line, not realizing, oh, it's comic relief in a show about mystery and drama and people dying and, and people experiencing hardships on a deserted island. They throw they there's a throwaway line and then they ran with it. They're like, Okay, what do what do they mean? We need to find every screenshot of every single shot that includes the that includes his tattoos, even the five that's on his arm. That's a, okay. This is this is a conversation that you and I have had for a long time. That mm-hmm. I think is uh, is grounds for an even bigger conversation about that show. Yeah, oh, they we, asks for that. They well, okay. It's uh, if you I don't, buy the DVD set, there's a hidden DVD underneath the thing. So why yeah. would you not pull up every little thing? you could find looking for a hidden DVD. They, they asked for that. They were still breaking their own ground. They were breaking ground in, in television in terms of having a mystery show. They did, had no idea that they were going to run with it that much. They had no idea that the fans were going to be that devoted to, to every minute detail. And they didn't realize that the fans were not going to view it as a TV show, which is also ultimately its downfall and ultimately why people hated the finale because the finale paid tribute. Not I'm not going to spoil it, but it paid mm-hmm. tribute to the characters in an incredibly meaningful and really heartfelt way. The entire mm-hmm. last season was all about the characters and the journey they did. It wasn't about the mystery because the mystery was secondary. The mystery was always secondary, but the fans who devoted themselves to the show set themselves up for their own downfall of being disappointed because it's always been a character based show from the start. The only thing was that there was a backdrop of mystery. Um, so I don't think that they were setting the show was setting itself up for, for that kind of outcry. And everything. I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to interject here. I don't think they were asking for that because they made a show for a certain audience. Yeah, and this was this was that's what made that show so unique is that it was a network show that was for a very specific audience. It's not Law and Order SVU. It's not whatever you know. It's yeah. it was for a specific diehard sci-fi audience that was going to focus on character development, and it was going to be a show for people that don't need every single question answered as long as there's. As long as there's quality, as long as we can connect right. with it, and that's what. But they asked a lot of questions. They asked a lot of questions. The one, the one I, I remember um, when I started watching it, and I stopped <laughs> kind of toward the end of season two. Matt, you stopped right before one of the best, <laughs> the best episode endings I've ever seen in the yeah, show. Yeah, I know. Anyway, and uh, so so I stopped watching it. Um, and I remember like starting a list of of all the mysteries that they put in place, and Matt was like, "Oh, you might not want to do that. A lot of those go unanswered. Not well, so much unanswered, but they they go. The conclusions are not satisfying. 
not so much unsatisfying. It's just that those those questions they don't spell them out. They have implied implied kind of things. Like you see one thing, it it it's a sprawling kind of thing. Like you see one mystery, think okay, well why is that there? You see another thing, it's like okay, well that's probably why that's there. But also, what's this here? It's kind of this thing that's this ever ever evolving organism that okay. yeah. Um, the one I remember was what, what Michael's son's name, Walt, Walt, yeah. Walt. Uh, I remember saying, Oh, that's interesting. What, what happens with that? And you're like, well, and you kind of <laughs> gave me the same line you just gave me about all the other things. Well, no, I, that was because the, the actor was a child actor and they had to kind of write around that, but they, they, they don't explain why he's special, but they, they, they don't write him off as being like okay well it's just he's just a crazy kid or anything like that they they show that he's special and everything and he has these kind of supernatural powers they just don't really they don't have an episode surrounding why he has that cuz mm. uh, by by the end of the show it kind of becomes this other thing this entire other thing this actual kind of religious al- uh allegory of good versus evil the show in general yeah pretty much yeah okay yeah, and it's kind of. I don't know. I'm coming from a place of someone who hasn't seen all of it, so I apologize for that. Oh no, that's fine. Um, yeah, but it was, but the tattoo thing just it it played out like, uh, it played out like the writers were like, well, crap, we've got to go and tell why what these tattoos are because the fans keep asking about them. Um, and what's funny is that there's a five on on Matthew Fox's arm, and the five is because of. Um, because of Party of Five. So, so why did they feel like they needed to answer that aspect? But they didn't answer all the other things they didn't answer in the finale. Which, of course, they don't know what they didn't answer because they haven't seen the finale. But you get what I'm saying. It's not so much that that show. What was brilliant, partly brilliant about the show, is that anything could anything that you saw on the screen could have significance, but it didn't necessarily have to. Right. That was part of the mystery. You know that was interesting. It's like, well, is this going to play out? Is is this going to mean something? Does his tattoo mean something? And for some reason, they decided to make his tattoo mean something, but it didn't have to. There's so many other things in the show where we thought the exact same thing. Does that mean something? Is that going to come up later? Does that is that part of the mystery? And it wasn't. Right. But for some reason, they just chose to address the tattoo. I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree with Matt on this 100. percent Yeah. The and the about the tattoo thing is that maybe. They they made an effort to to tell what the tattoos mean and the actual meaning of the tattoos. It's like Chinese symbols and everything. They they have a character read it, and it's I mean it kind of it's kind of this kind of uh, an interesting statement about where the character is in the series at this point. Um, and it's just kind of like this ironic kind of thing. But I feel like maybe the writers were like, okay, well we'll make an effort to do this. They did that. Because the fans were the fans were all like clamoring to know about these tattoos. Then as soon as they released that episode, the fans are like, "Oh, that was a horrible episode. I thought it was going to be something about the smoke monster or something like the, like that <laughs> kind of backlash." And maybe mm-hmm. I can't speak for the writers because I haven't time traveled to write for the show and show yet. But it's <laughs> it was a uh, it could have very well been like a okay, we're going to go into season three. We're going to start answering some questions because they've been clamoring for it. They felt the backlash of that and they were like, you know what? Screw you guys. We're just going to do our thing. Mm -hmm. I could easily see that being the case because uh, 
you can't satisfy everyone. And when everyone is focusing on the wrong thing about a series, then it's just going to end poorly. So they ended it on their terms. And I really appreciate them for that because it ended up being one of the best series finales I've ever seen. Um, the, that episode is a good microcosm for the show because it, it, it illustrates how, how you can, how you can orient, orientate yourself as a, as a fan, because yeah. sometimes, you know, people want questions answered and it's, it's just kind of, I think in my opinion, become a rule of, of television and actually any kind of long form storytelling. Sometimes mystery is just a good thing. Sometimes you don't, yeah. it's not good to get all the answers. Great example, an episode I could have brought up for this, ep- for, for this episode about, you know, worst episodes, uh, is the series finale of Battlestar Galactica. They answer mm-hmm. everything, any, any kind of mystery or question, they answer it in that finale. And it's really, really unsatisfying. It's not a very good finale. That show is spectacular. The, mm-hmm. the meat of that show is really good. But that finale was so unsatisfying because it's like, oh, really? That's what happens? It's sometimes a little bit of mystery is a good thing and you can just make, you can, you can decide, you can develop it in your own mind the way that you like it. And and I think that's, that's why this episode of Lost is a good microcosm for that show. Cause sometimes when you get the answers, it's so much less satisfying than if you could just, you could just develop the characters your own way, sort of develop the story your own way. Yeah. And what Lost did was they left us with something to chew on, like something Something to to think about after the show ends. I thought about the finale for for months after it, um, mm-hmm. and thought about just where the characters ended up, what 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 happened to them, um, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, and then they even still they even still released in the in in the final season DVD. They released a a bonus feature that was just literally a character going to a warehouse and showing a a, a DVD to characters, or it was a tape or whatever two other characters that was basically someone going through and answering some of the questions. And it was like, it's so unnecessary. It's so, so unnecessary. Um, so yeah. yeah. Do you think they wrote some of the mysteries expecting to answer them though? Yeah, I'm sure that they did. I'm sure that they okay, expect that's the problem to. I have. That's, that's why, that's why it rubs me the wrong way. How do you mean? Because it, well, because, um, they wrote they i they had to have written Walt being supernatural with intentions to tell us why and Maybe. the fact that they didn't bugs me that's a, that bo- that's bothersome but you also have to take into account that this is a television series and that in the nature of television itself they don't i mean they can pose those questions and they can have their own private answers for why but they don't know that they'll have time to answer it because they don't know their episode order they don't know how many how many episodes they'll have next season how much time they'll have how many characters are there a perfect example of that is in season 2 uh they introduced the character of uh Mr. Echo who the actor hated being in Hawaii or, or something. So they had set up throughout season two, all of these, all of these little things with him. They had like, he was supposed to be a good counterpoint to the John Locke character. And he was supposed to survive until late in the series, but then they, they, he hated being in Hawaii. So they had to kind of write him off as quickly as they could. And because of that, it, it suffered for it. And it's not a fault of the writers at all because they, they, their hands were tied. 
Um, mm-hmm. And the same with with Walt is that that actor was growing up. It, like he, well, but I mean, but this that's all that's all fine and good. But I feel yeah. like that's you're you're like making a lot of excuses. Oh, I'm a diehard lost apologist. <laughs> What's that? I'm a diehard lost lost apologist. Oh, I know, so, yeah. that's, and that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel like I'm just trying to understand why the the angry nerds like where they're coming from. That's all I'm trying to do. It's because they weren't paying attention to the character development. It's some of the best character development I've ever seen in a TV series, and they they wrote it off because they were concentrating on the mystery aspect of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So. Okay. Have you said continued when I when I finish it? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, having said I have, that, I have a bad feeling that that I won't waver. You know, yeah. Um, I'm. We'll you see. might not. We'll see. Um, it's just important that you watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, having said that, we should go to potpourri. I guess we're gonna call that to be continued, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's let's just do a a harsh segue into uh, potpourri. Where we can talk about anything we want, anything we've seen, anything we're about to see, whatever we're looking forward to, as long as it smells good. So, Tiny, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I wanted to talk about a movie that I think was uh, somewhat underappreciated for uh, 2013. A movie called The Fifth Estate, which I finally watched. Um, I was incredibly excited for it. Uh, Half that excitement was because it's uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and he's beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> um, no, never heard just, of him yeah, <laughs> he's just awesome I'm just falling in love with everything he does he's fantastic mm. so I'll admit my bias there but uh, I was excited because it's that the the movie is about uh, WikiLeaks and how it sort of came to be um, which is an under underreported story as well in my in my opinion it's it's undervalued because it's the film helped put in context how revolutionary this information information age is and how it's how to this day it's still changing everything how powerful the internet is as an information tool and the movie is interesting it's actually based on a book that was written by sort of the guy who was kind of like the right-hand man of um Julian Assange who's the guy who founded WikiLeaks um, this guy kind of helped helped found the website. He's not technically a co-founder, but he was hugely instrumental. He's depicted by the uh, the German actor Daniel Bruhl, who was uh, first made famous to American audiences in the film uh, *Inglorious Bastards*. Um, so he's also an incredible actor. I, I loved his work on in this film as well. Um, I, th- I think it's an underappreciated film. First of all, obviously this is a film podcast, so let's focus on that. <laughs> um, it had a really good script. I-, I was I was really surprised at how how tight they kept the story because it's so it's it's still very mysterious because it's the whole WikiLeaks concept is based on anonymity. Um, so so it's I'm surprised that they have so much detail about it. It is very one sided. Um, it kind of paints. It paints Julian Assange as kind of like an unfunny, deep version of Sheldon Cooper from The Big Bang Theory. He's a very distant person. He doesn't really consider other people's feelings. Um, He's just focused on this one thing 
he he's an idealist to the extreme and it paints him in that picture but this is the story is entirely from the perspective of Daniel Bruhl's character so it's just his it's his side of the story so that's a downfall of it in my opinion but it's just an amazing it's an amazing story it's it's something i wish i would have paid paid much more attention to to the real story as it was developing where you know this Bradley Manning now known as uh Chelsea Manning uh just essentially stole hundreds of thousands of documents that were in various stages of classification by the federal government and just released them to this to this website and there there's there's so many moral conundrums and and questions of of what's considered moral and what's considered a righteous act in, in the context of releasing information and how it affects people. It's, it's a really great, it's a really great story in that, in that context. I, I was really impressed by how, how they kept it such a tight story. Um, and the performances are, are really good. I, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was great. Um, again, biased, but, uh, I, I liked it a lot. Um, nice. I, I highly recommend checking it out, especially if you're sort of unfamiliar with the story of how WikiLeaks came to be and, and why it's so revolutionary and why it's so important. So I, I highly recommend it for that reason. I think it was really, really ignored for the most part. I think people should see it. So mm-hmm. nice. Cool. I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, do you want me Matt, to go what next? About you? Okay. Um, well actually, I, uh, I just increased my, this past weekend, I increased my number of best picture nominee watches to four. Um, oh. after, uh, after a previous two. So I watched two best, a- best picture nominees. Uh, briefly, I just want to say that 12 Years a Slave is one of the most just emotionally heart wrenching theater experiences I've ever had. Even with the old mm-hmm. couple in the front row yelling into each other's ears, asking if they still want to stay there and, or if they should go and being really passive aggressive about wanting to leave. <laughs> but Ugh. I mean, it was Ugh. just, it was it was it was remarkable. I, I'm working on a review of it for the site, but I've cool. never been more. I, I can't. I don't know if I've ever been that moved by by a movie and more just just ashamed at humanity. I would mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also, Benedict Cumberbatch was fantastic in that as well. Yeah. Um, but the the one that I just saw yesterday or uh, a couple of days ago was Nebraska. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, which was interesting because I hadn't heard a single thing about it. Um, I was under the impression that it was only playing at our Keystone Art Theater on the north side here, but it's actually it was actually at a at a west side theater. So I I went and saw it there too, or went and saw it there because it's closer. Um, and I, I, from the opening scenes, because I, I had no idea going in what it was about. I, I think I knew something about it go, about it being a, about a man who wants to claim a million-dollar prize or something. That's all I knew. What it's actually about is it's filmed in black and white. Will Forte plays this man who, who takes his elderly kind of almost senile father uh, to Nebraska because he got this – he got one of those – things in the mail saying that he got a million dollars, but it's, it's a clear scam, but it's, it's, I don't know how much I want to say about it because it, it honestly resonated with me on a, on a kind of a personal level. Um, 
because some of the character interactions and interactions of the of the family um, in that were were really kind of some of it hit a little close to home for me. Um, mm. But there's it was it was a really remarkable performance by Bruce Stern who played the father, um, kind of a subtle subdued performance and uh um june squib i believe her name is um she played she played his wife and their their dynamic in that movie is the strongest thing it's strongest thing in the movie because the movie they they're going to nebraska but they take a detour and the bulk of the movie takes place in the father's hometown where they're they're coming back because they get detoured and they have to stay there for a few days. And it's about him kind of, it's about Will Forte kind of learning about his father and his mother through this town, this kind of dying small town. And I've said before that I'm, I'm a huge fan of small town depictions in movies because I love the way that that kind of small town tight knit community is, is romanticized on film. None of that is like that in this movie. This is a very bleak depiction of the small town and a very realistic depiction of a small dying town. Mm. And it just hit me in such a strong way. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a scene that there's a scene that the, the whole throughout most of the movie, um, this isn't a spoiler or anything, but the mother comes to, comes to the town too. And she's, she's just horrible to, to Bruce Stern's character. Um, cause she's very short with him. She's very impatient. She's very, she's kind of seems to lack compassion for him. Um, and it's, it's a very, it's kind of a real portrayal. It's a very, it's a very kind of real thing. Um, but there's a scene where they're kind of at, at the, uh, at a graveyard visiting, visiting just graves of, of his family. And she's, she's pointing out to the graves and she's saying the most despicable things about these people. And it's, it's, it's incredibly hard to watch. And what makes it even worse is that you can see your eye is drawn to Bruce Dern and he kind of just has his head lowered and he, he's not really, he's just, he's just trying to respect his family while his wife is just, just saying like these despicable and deplorable things about people that he loved and it's just, it's a very, it's a very powerful scene. And, uh, and his performances is really, really incredible. Um, wow. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's, I mean, in terms of best picture, I, I liked it a lot. I don't know if I, I'm not entirely sure I would have picked it as best, uh, for a best picture nomination over like out of the furnace, which I think I enjoyed a little bit more. Um, but I still, I still think it, it's a very powerful movie in itself, um, and and also Stacy Keach plays, <laughs> Stacy Keach plays an old business partner, Bruce Dern, um, and and he he has he has some really good, really good scenes, and he he plays just this real like kind of bastard guy, um, so it's so it's a really good movie, and I, I highly recommend checking it out, um, cool if you can, yeah. cool. Um, yeah. So Mike, how about you? What do you got for us? Um, I guess I'll share a little story of my Thursday night movie night last week. Um, we're kind of like scraping at the bottom of the barrel. That's the second time I've used that euphemism, (laughs) (laughs) that figure of speech today. 
Anyway, uh, so we're trying to figure out what movies to see because there's not a whole lot out that we haven't seen and care to see. So there was a disagreement because I don't really care to see Lone Survivor and my buddy mm-hmm. kind of wants to see it. Um, and so we kind of we kind of just agreed on Paranormal Activity 4.5. Okay, the marked <laughs> ones. <laughs> the marked ones, that's right. And uh, so we were going to see that. And I, and I had, you know, mild excitement for it. So I check Fandango. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm I, I'm not expecting to get any Fandango gift certificates here after this. <laughs> Apparently, Fandango does not uh, is not always accurate with Showplace Cinema here in Evansville. Uh, they have a working relationship with AMC theaters, so those theaters times movie times are always accurate. But the ones uh, in at Showplace are not accurate. So. I was expecting that we were going to go see uh, Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, at 8 o'clock. So we showed up at 8 o'clock or at 7.50 or whatever and said uh, one for Paranormal Activity. She goes, uh, the one at 9.35? And we're like, say what? <laughs> and uh, and so we didn't know what to do. So And then she very um, – uh, she was not very helpful at all, and I was like, "Call me crazy." And I like looked on my phone. She was like, "Oh yeah, sometimes the app is not accurate." She didn't apologize. It was not. There was. She was just like, "Yep, you're an idiot. You should have looked at our website." Whoa. And uh, so wow. we're looking up at the board, try to find a movie, and we're like, "I don't know, Ride Along." And she's like, "Oh, you don't want to see Ride Along? A bunch of kids just walked in there." <laughs> we're like, "Okay, listen, lady." And so, um. We ended up going with Devil's Due. Mm. Okay. Which was the is the movie uh about the woman who is impregnated by the son of Satan. <laughs> and Satan's gonna return. If it sounds familiar, that's because it is a total ripoff of Roman Polanski's Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Uh but of course it's it's modern. And uh I gotta say I didn't hate it. Okay. I'm looking around the internet and it's getting horrible reviews. It's just getting <laughs> trashed everywhere. So I'm trying to figure out why, what about it did it for me. There's a scene early on, uh, that I think is particularly effective. They, they honeymoon in the Dominican and that's also where she is impregnated. Do you get, I mean, do you guys mind if I spoil? Do you have any plans to see it? Go right ahead. Uh, no. Go, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. So they, uh, they get lost on the way back to their hotel room. And so this cabbie comes by and asks if they need a ride. And so they get in the taxi and he says, uh, let me take you to a really cool place, which is super sketchy. You know <laughs> what I mean? And yeah. so they go and they're kind of like winding through these creepy corridors and you're like, Oh geez, this is stupid. Why would, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they just turn around? This is ridiculous. And then of course they show, they go down to uh, this club and it's like an awesome club, awesome drinks, all kinds of people there and i love that they created that tension broke it and then immediately it turns out that they're that they're the taxi driver was actually nefarious and uh and the the club is is sinister and so they took they take the woman down and uh impregnate her essentially okay and so there's just it's found footage which as a genre is so ridiculously tired yeah um, so I didn't like that aspect of it, but there were, there were some decent, 
scares. Um, and, and there were some effective moments. I probably will never see it again, but it wasn't the worst hour and a half I've ever spent in a theater. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. So the, there's that. Yeah. The male lead in that is from Friday Night Lights, so that's the only thing that made me interested in it. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not that eager to see it. No, I, I would have much rather watched uh, Paranormal Activity: The Marked Ones, which is a movie that, as a franchise, I'm a big Paranormal Activity fan. But I mean, I'm so desensitized to it, or so so distanced from it that I mean. I haven't even bothered to see the marked ones. I'm going to wait until Sharktober and watch it then. Um, as it you saw the done. fourth one, right? <laughs> oh yes, I did. Okay. Ugh. Because you remember I sent you that long rant. Today. Yes, we we had a very long conversation about that. It was yeah. uh, yeah, it was not good. It was a no. great Xbox Connect commercial though. <laughs> yeah, that's about <laughs> it. So I think that's all we got for this week, isn't? Do you any? Anything else we want to talk about? I think that does it. Awesome. I'm all, all set. Right. All right. Well, stay tuned. Come back next week for our episode on. I have what? no idea what we're talking about next week. We, we'll need to talk about that when we're done here because it's will. always our answer. We have some ideas. We never, <laughs> we have some we're ideas. never more than, you know, we're never an episode ahead. Yeah. Well, sometimes <laughs> we are. I we meant were to in make the fall. Schedule. We had the fall. Yeah. Pretty well planned out. I really meant to make a thing, but, um, we are gonna have we're we're gonna have a couple podcasters on in the in the near future. We're gonna have uh, Craig Craig from Intermission Podcast, and I think yes. Tank Tank from uh, Title Pending Movie Podcast with Tank and Fogs is gonna come on. Awesome, so, Tank and Tiny. Good, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so it'll be fun. But um, as for now, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, of course, you can find us on on Twitter at our respective handles at Obsessive Viewer for me, at Obsessive Tiny for Tiny, and at I am Mike White for Mike. Um, you can also find us on email um, at ovpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any clips or anything you want to, like any audio things or whatever, you can send it to us that way because um, we still don't know how to set up a voicemail. Uh, likes on Facebook, Tumblr, all that good stuff. Uh, um, and then also vote for us for Podcast of the Month on podcastland.com. Uh, also, thank you to Star, uh, Star Tissue for donating our theme song we really appreciate it guys um that about does it is there anything else am i, mi- am I missing anything i don't think so Sweet. we're good awesome all That's right good. well see you guys next week thanks, thanks guys. guys kisses <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh, all right mine is from the uh, the, from the series the office one of my favorite sitcoms ever the episode is called the mother ah uh, i'm gonna i don't I'm remember that over. episode <laughs> the mother the mother episode it's uh no season seven okay all right let me start over